I'm not saying intermittent fasting has been debunked, but uh, Thomas DeLauer kind of covered this new study. And NYT study says it doesn't work. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't look good. New intermittent fasting study comes out by NYT, mm-hmm. and it's a little crazy because it's saying it has zero impact over calorie restriction. Yeah. Zero. Yeah, they're saying statistically insignificant difference between calorie restriction and intermittent fasting, which is wrecking the industry. And like, we've got a lot of thoughts here, and stick with us because we're going to get through a little bit of the statistics, mm-hmm. and then we're also going to talk a little bit about... It's not all bad. I well, mean, there's a whole community doing it. It can't just not work at all. Not to mention, there's a difference between statistical significance and the pounds that I feel coming off of my body. Sure, sure. And we could jump into the biggest stat that everybody would want to know. If mm-hmm. you're looking at intermittent fasting, it's going to be how, how much, much came weight? off. Yeah. yeah, how much weight did I lose? Right. And it's kind of interesting. The study says it's not a significant change statistically, mm-hmm. but we do have a 0.8 kilogram change for, let's see, this part is for the average user that is a 12-month study with 139 individuals yep. that went the whole entire 12 months. Which is wild because that's that's a that's a study that kept its participants for a lot longer than most studies can. I mean, that to me, 139 people that went all the way through, that's the kind of data you really want to look at. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in your 60-day deal. I'm not interested in your 30-day right. statistics. If you go a whole year and you get the trends of people going up and down, I'm listening. You get your holidays in there. You get your you get your cheat meals You don't in overeat there. at Thanksgiving, do you? No, you don't. I eat. You, no, you know what? I eat the appropriate amount. Oh, you do. Well, it's Which appropriate is, for what I want, and I'm gonna yeah, eat a lot. When I get a little pukey, I'm there. <laughs> then I'm there. It's appropriate. Oh, more gravy. Can I have some pie? Sure, sure. But point eight is what the uh, intermittent fasting group got, and that's kilograms. So that is twenty pounds of fat loss. Well, I and then we have. Where's this weight loss or fat loss? We're saying point eight. The the difference is on the twelve months for the people that just did a baseline, which is your your normal um, calorie restriction. They lost eight kilograms. Eight kilograms. Yep. For the twenty pounds. Yeah, for time restricted, which is code for intermittent fasting, they lost six point three kilograms, which is sixteen pounds. About sixteen pounds. So that's a four pound difference. Sure, four now, pounds you... difference according to statistical analysis, which is important because all that statistical analysis is saying is that we can't account for chance not being the reason that this has occurred. And so it's saying that given all the variables and giving all the all the inputs on this thing it could just as likely be chance that you have a group that lost less and a group that lost sure, more. Sure, a lot of different habits. Else. You know, habits weren't controlled. Activity levels weren't controlled. They didn't measure whether or not all of a sudden half of them just picked up rock climbing or something mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't the, you know, absolutely stick a person in a bubble. Right. We know their activity level. We know everything about it. But it's about as good as it gets for it, tracking some It's people. a fantastic study because when you go this long – you're able to kind of weed out some of those other things that would happen in a 30-day and a 60-day study because anybody can be anybody. Being um, being disciplined over that amount of time is much different than being disciplined across 12 months. Yeah, the calorie restriction levels that they were doing is not anything to just bat an eye at. I mean, 12 to 1,500 calories for, was that the men? Yeah, yeah. The, the men were dropped down, I want to say, to uh, 15 to 1,800 calories, and the women were 12 to 1,500 calories. That was the full restriction. Didn't matter which style you were doing. But in, in essence, though, that's kind of a big swing, though, too. I mean, if you have a 300-calorie swing that you're able to maintain throughout the year, and say, say you decided that you were going to be on the bottom half of that, mm-hmm. You know, to be quite honest, that might be your weight change. And that truly could be your non-significant result right. that you're getting. Because if the average person just maintain a lower caloric intake, right. well, that's why they 
lost more weight. Well, and likewise, if I'm a person who's done on the intermittent fasting side of things, maybe it was much easier for me to keep the lower end of that calorie restriction because I just skipped a meal. You know, and that that's what I always feel like is one of the biggest things with this whole intermittent fasting talk. It's well, you know, it's magical because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll only eat between 12 and 8. My metabolism's going to work better. All my All, hormones are going to get in sync. Everything's the most perfect. But let's be honest. You just skipped breakfast. The 16-8 thing is called, like, not eating breakfast. Because right. don't forget, you still get to have coffee in this. That's okay. That doesn't that, break that your that fast. That part's fine. That doesn't break your fast. Um, there's a whole bunch of pieces of it. Let's be honest. It's just skipping breakfast and skipping some pastries. And, and is that a bad thing? I mean, just because you're skipping a meal, I, I think because intermittent fasting has its own, like, it's on it's on purpose. When you tell people just start skipping meals, people get all finicky about that. But when you tell people, like, no, it's on purpose because you're eating in an eight-hour window. Right. Now, all of a sudden, it feels a little bit less like you're you're punishing yourself and a little bit more like, I've got a plan. Sure, sure. And, and just starting any diet plan, let's be honest, calorie restriction is the main element behind the whole deal. If you restrict your calories a certain amount, you will get the results that you're supposed to get. And, and that's all there is to it. And that's really what this study's saying. It's not saying that it's better. It's right. not saying that it is the only way to lose weight as a lot of these intermittent fasting people get right. get around with the confidence. If it works for you, that's great. But literally the game you're playing right. is calorie restriction. Yeah, it's a it's I think the thing that this study can really do well is this study can open up the idea that intermittent fasting while is a great tool is not the uh, it's not the end all, it's not the only. And that's not a bad thing to have a study prove that while it works it's not working because it's magical. It's working because it works on a set of principles that will always work. And that's an important thing for me, like as somebody who's looking for like, how do I maintain my weight over over the lifetime? I want to make sure that I'm not so restricted into something that if I feel like I just don't want to intermittent fast, well, then I have no chance of losing weight. Well, intermittent fasting to me too is, uh, it, it can be a great tool. Mm -hmm. it, it can be uh, a way that you can start calorie restriction, restricting things without truly overthinking it. Mm -hmm. You know, you are skipping breakfast and you are going to start eating, say, from 12 to 8. Say that's your window. Well, most people don't really do that. When it's 10 o'clock right before bed, they might have something sweet. Right. In the morning when they eat a little something on the go, it's probably going to be something in a package that's not so good for you. When it and trims off the bad stuff. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. It's called skipping breakfast, getting rid of pastries, and then not eating late at night. So for the average and person- And most of the time, dessert. Like you, right? Most people are having the dessert late at night. Right. So you lost breakfast dessert and you lost dinner dessert, and now you're eating more of your, your whole meals. Exactly. And and that's what's kind of interesting is because for the majority of people that if you put them in an eating window, you're going to drop off between three and 800 calories snapping a finger. Just as it is. And that to me can be used as a weight loss tool pretty easily when you're talking about, you know, the effects of intermittent fasting. But the game you're playing is not intermittent fasting making you lose weight more so mm -hmm. than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's calorie restriction. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of hormones that play into it and your own ability to respond to your own hormones because those are all talking to your brain and your brain then has to interpret to decide what you're going to do. So we can get into a little bit of that and, and talk about that later. But I think one of the things that is also helpful is if I'm not just in this to lose weight and instead I want to put on some muscle, I can start with intermittent fasting as my foundation because I've, I've cut out a meal of potentially empty carbohydrate. And then I can just change that meal once I have intermittent fasting as my foundation. 
to an only protein meal. Yeah, if you go a little bit extreme, I remember when I did my 37-hour fast day, just trying this thing out. Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about how it's magical, going to help you do this. Basically, you lose a bunch of water in a short window. Right. You feel magical because you lost great all on the, the scale. Oh, man, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that actually worked. And then you drink some water for three or four days, and the cramping goes away. And, oh, Oh, that didn't do anything. But your brain felt on fire for a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, nonetheless, though, when you do like extreme things like this, it completely changes your ability to have discipline in what mm -hmm. you're eating. So right. you, if you use intermittent fasting as a tool, you can truly learn that that breakfast that you're trying to eat every single day, that habit that you formed, you can actually get rid of it. You can turn it into, maybe it's a protein shake. Maybe it's four scrambled eggs. Maybe it's something that's completely different that you normally don't eat all the time. Right. But after you do intermittent fasting for long enough, you're like, oh, I kind of feel like I'm cheating anyway, eating anything. Right. And then you, you get that little, you get that little bump of happiness because I had my bacon in the morning or I had my, had my egg breakfast or I had right. whatever thing you've decided is your protein kickoff, protein shake. Sure, sure. And it, it's not easy to get in an adequate amount of protein if you're trying to build muscle. If you're mm. doing this stuff naturally and not synthetically boosting things with steroids and, and other types of enhancements, it's not that easy to get in that kind of protein amount, right. you know, the standard one gram per pound lean yep. body mass kind of a deal. If and that's one and a half, if you're really trying to push it for, for muscle growth. Yeah, and but stuff. for most people, yeah. your average Joe, if you shot for the one, I mean, I'm 217 pounds. Do you that's know how hard it is to get 217 grams of protein in, in an right. eating window from 12 to eight? Right. And because your stomach size is still a part of this equation. Sure. Like, I still have to fit all of that food in my body. Absolutely. Whoa. Yeah. And it, when it's heavy on protein and massive amounts of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just imagine if you're only eating steak and like true forms of food and not actually supplementing anything, it's not that easy to get that with natural foods. Now, mm -hmm. if you're always doing protein shakes, protein bars, you can kind of get there, but you know, it doesn't seem quite right to eat everything out of a package, does it? No, you don't want to eat. You don't want to eat all your meals out of a can. That's, that's a little been, been there, <laughs> done that. I remember in college, it was uh, when I first started learning about building muscle and doing all this stuff for sports performance. I'm like, okay, okay, protein amounts. I can do this. Mm -hmm. I started eating tuna cans, and I hate tuna. No, I, I remember this. You're, I don't like it at all. And you, to watch you eat it was like, oh, you I just would, watch your face die well, for, for about five minutes while you just couldn't stand it. So I would open the tuna, I drain the tuna, and then like three weeks in, I'm looking at this massive peter pan jar and if you remember the peanut butter jar you could back when i was in college you could get this thing and it was enormous for eight dollars and it would last right a long time but i One had so think. much peanut butter so what i started doing is i would put the peanut butter in the tuna you've never had a good idea of what tastes good <laughs> i just had to get the taste of tuna out of the tuna it was so bad so i started doing peanut butter in my tuna because I'm like, I got to get these numbers. That's hands I, down the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. It, it's actually not as bad as you think if you like peanut butter. No, that is as bad but as I think. I will say, you can ruin your peanut butter with tuna in sure. your peanut butter. Can you eat peanut butter today <laughs> and not taste tuna in the back of your mind? It has left me. I don't have that problem, but I did have to switch brands. I was going to ask, did I, you... <laughs> I, no more, no more Peter Pan. Yeah. The only one that I could get was, it was Peter Pan in this massive jug yeah. and it's got a little bit more of a salt taste to it. It's a little more salty than like Jif or some of your other brands. Yeah. No, I remember. And, and it is, so, how did you not have peanut butter up to your elbows trying to dig it out of that thing? It wasn't so bad. You had to get a knife. You weren't, <laughs> you know, you go in there with the hand, it's game over. Yeah, Get a shovel in there. Oh, but man, I would take that thing and I would put it in the tuna. 
I'd stir it up and I'd start eating it like, yeah, it's weird tasting peanut butter. And, but I was getting my grams and that was oh. the deal. You, you get so laser focused on trying to achieve a goal. And you know, some of these diet things can really push you. I'll say it like this misinformation and not mm-hmm. knowing what really works can kind of drive you to do some pretty insane things or why it worked. And I think that's, that's what the I mean. Like thing, you know, if you're talking about intermittent fasting compared mm-hmm. to calorie restriction, right? Let's not, the game is calorie restriction. Now it's how you get your brain to actually do it. Right. And I think that's something that the takeaway on this specific study is really, really good because what it's saying is after all of the things have been counted, after all of the variables have been accounted for, after everything has gone on for a whole year, with 139 participants, what we can say is if you can adequately cut the calories, however it's done, you will see results. And I would say that's probably truly the essence of the study on why it's statistically insignificant. Because sure. just because you may have eaten, I think they ate two or 300 less calories. I don't mm-hmm. know the exact statistic. Look it up if you want to see the exact number. But I think the intermittent fasting group, it was something like two or 300 less calories a day right. is what they were averaging. And it wasn't because they were directed to. It was because in the way that we're doing this, we just happen to do that more often. Sure, sure. So in essence, that's probably why it was cystic statistically insignificant right. because more or less they're eating less food and right. it would have lined right up with the other group if they would have ate less they're eating food. the same amount. The, sure. the amount overlays with the result that they got. Exactly. Yeah. Which again, that means that the study, which the only thing the study was trying to prove, and I think a lot of people in the intermittent fasting community would say that intermittent fasting has more benefits than just weight loss, uh, which is arguable as the studies come out, we'll, we'll see. But this one specifically, because it's about weight loss is showing that while it is a beneficial tool, you're not seeing that much of a difference that you wouldn't see in another way. But it, really, are you going to get a better study than 139 people for 12 months? At least not anytime soon. Like yeah. that was a great study. Yeah, you're going to need to get. Uh, unfortunately, you wish they would have tracked exercise. There's all these watches available and all these things. You think you would have at least had some kind Thrown of metric. Something on them. Yeah, something for an activity level or just steps or something. I mean, steps probably would even got you pretty close. It would at least give you a a baseline of like their personal movement per day. Right, right. And, you know, because if you've got people eating 1,300 calories and then, you know, moving an X amount. But you know what would be a great study, though, is if they lined up, you know, three, 400 people had each segment doing every single diet and like completely track their exercise and then fully calibrated the numbers. And what I mean by that is, okay, you track your, the, the calorie counting apps, right? The, my fitness pal, the lose it. If you really did it to that level, I want you to record all of your data. I want to know what you ate. And I want to know if you can shoot for these macronutrient levels. Mm -hmm. I want you to try to maintain, you know, 500 calories of exercise a day, seven days a week for 12 months. I guarantee you there's some kooky people out there that if you could tell them that by the end of this, we think that we'll have the most exact answer of whether or not you should go ketogenic, whether or not you should be doing uh, intermittent fasting, whether you should be doing alternating day fast. So you're, you're saying take take the mentality of the person out of it. You, I don't I don't care to have a very... I don't have, I don't want to have a varied group of people. I want passionate, crazy people that are ready yeah. to do this for a whole year yeah. straight. We'll take the mental game out and people I just want like to know function. People that like to count. 
Because, right. Because I want, I want even the people that do alternate day fasting, mm-hmm. I want to see the data that says, no, you ate as much as the guy that actually was eating six meals a day, two or 300 calories every meal, still has a deficit. And I want them all compared apples to apples. Right. I don't want you getting the cheat of, well, I do intermittent fasting, and then you just like forgot to eat lunch too. So I just then wasn't your calories that hungry were lower. that day. Yeah, get, empower everyone with the real data to no. know that. No, no, no. It, however, you want to trick yourself yeah. into eating less calories. It all works. It's the same exact right. thing. New plan, new study. We do this with cattle already. Okay. We force we we put them in a we put them in a cell. Okay. Yeah. Every eight hundred cells, they're all stuck in. Eight hundred people sign up. Eight hundred people. They. They're chained to the wall. Their their head is out. We force food in their mouth. They're going to have a bicycle, I guess, for the exercise. For the exercise part, okay. they'll have okay. to do that. And the bicycle will move, and their body will have to start responding. And if they don't, they get shocked. Oh, okay. Like this, we're going yeah. hardcore. And these people, yeah. they don't get to sign up. This is, if you don't do it, your so family. It's like a draft. We're yeah, going to go yeah, around yeah. and just snag people off yeah. the streets and, and lock you, them up. And if you don't do it, your family's in trouble. Like, <laughs> we're going to really drive. And now... Now we get a study that is truly yeah. If you take ethics out of it, I mean, we're really going to get the answer. That's the thing. We're getting hindered by ethics. Yeah, I could see that, but I don't know. I mean, but until then, yeah, until then, until then, this study's pretty good. Pretty good saying it's okay. All right, all right, I'll buy in. I they they don't. What it is is intermittent fasting doesn't matter that much, but it does matter. Yeah, let's check out in our next segment. We're going to go through some key pieces uh, that could kind of help you along your way. Mm-hmm. Let's dig a little bit deeper into three reasons why intermittent fasting can be used as a tool mm-hmm. when you're trying to lose weight, build muscle, or I mean, just maintain your body mass. There's three real reasons why it still can be a great tool, even though we know calorie deficit is the essence of why it truly yeah. works. According to the study, that's its, that's its push. So now we're just it still works though. The truth. And they even showed yeah. it. The yeah. study showed that it was a four pound difference between your your calorie restricted people who had like sixteen pounds of difference. But they did average eating less calories that probably ideally makes up that four pounds. So let's talk about that. Because that's probably the benefit, right? We're going to be talking about yeah, uh, no, number one reason is gonna be it helps you get rid of your breakfast choices. So okay. well what, what is let's start here. During high school, what was your what was your breakfast of choice? Oh, well, in high school, I liked to actually, uh, my generous father would take me to the donut store, and mm. I would rock two or three Long Johns, and then if we didn't do that, we would make a stop by the gas station mm-hmm. to get a box of donuts. Yeah, yeah. Because gotta, they're delicious. Well, the rows of six is not enough, and the box is truly where it's at. If someone handed me four cupcakes for dessert, right. everyone would look at me like I'm being a glutton. Mm-hmm. But if someone hands you two Long Johns for breakfast, it's it like that's it, breakfast. It seems okay. That's yeah. They that's have them literally the, sixteen hundred calories. Oh, if not more. I mean, Gosh. have you ever eaten a box of donuts? I, I mean, have. Yeah. You know, I mean, and didn't feel bad about it. Didn't even kind of feel right. bad about it. When you're young and spry and in high school and running around like a crazy person, you know, you can plug right. away some donuts. Mine, not. We didn't do as many pastries. Uh, I think we had that four year difference, and so mine was always the cereal. I had cereal every morning, and my cereal of choice was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No offense to the crunchers out there, but that stuff's just straight sugar and bread. I mean, it's pretty good. It's It's fantastic. My kids right now, samesies. Yeah. How do you not like Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Come on, guys. It's the best stuff But at the same time, we talked about two pretty standard breakfasts for a lot of people. And both of them are, if they're not high calorie, because most of the time cereal isn't, it is high sugar. 
It right. is going to it is going to change your insulin immediately. It is going to cause a reaction in your but body. But nonetheless, I mean, no, no matter how you spin it, though, every choice other than eating a couple scrambled eggs or a piece of bacon, I mean, you put that on the list of being okay. But most everything else in the world for you to eat for breakfast is absolutely terrible. It's dessert. It's, it's dessert. It, your first meal of the day is dessert. How did that ever happen? How did breakfast just it's become delicious? They just went for like, hey, you know, breakfast is the best meal of the day. Here's some more desserts. Should we do a fun aside eat? really quick? Fun aside, breakfast cereal was developed by the Kellogg brothers, and they did it during a weird thing that was religious in nature, but it was a way to send somebody out to get good body awareness and good health. That's where Crunch came from, the little uh, flakes, the corn flakes. No kidding. Boom. Man. Learned that from drunk history. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, <laughs> master over there. But but it is. So so it goes from this, which is it was healthy then, and the very first thing they realized they needed to add to it to make people like it better, sugar. Duh. Yeah, so Frosted Flakes came shortly thereafter, and you got Tony the Tiger, which is a cartoon selling it to every kid there is. I can't remember the exact documentary, but I was big into the sugar craze uh, as that was going on, and I remember watching this documentary. I wish I remembered the name. I'm sure it's probably pretty easy to find. Type in sugar documentary. Yeah, You'll probably find there. it. Mm-hmm. And I remember they had this big segment on, there was a company that would go out, and you had to meet a sweet score. So they would take a food and it had to meet a level of sweetness mm-hmm. because it would make people more addicted to the food. Yeah. So it's kind of tasty. Yeah. It's kind of crazy though, to think like all of these packaged, easy made breakfast things, this little think tank group trying to get everybody addicted to them kind of makes you want to puke. Right. Well, the funny thing is, so that kind of leads into our number two. Number two point is that it's changing your, you know, it's calming your inner voice. You do intermittent fasting. It's helping calm the inner voice, which is really regulated by hormones. And right. Part of that, when they were doing the study to find out what things are going to get people hooked on this breakfast thing, they're looking at the thing that releases dopamine that says, I like that meal. I want that meal. And so it's not necessarily even a, uh, a body system that says, I have to have that meal nutritionally. It's the dopamine. It's the brain that says, I prefer that meal because it makes me happy. Yeah, because it's yummy. Exactly. And so now you've got that which is not even a uh, an appetite hormone. It's 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 a drug hormone. I'm just happier when I have that in my in my mouth. I think everybody can relate to that. I mean, how many habits are created out of drinking a soda every day? How mm-hmm. many habits are created out of having some kind of a sugary breakfast deal, whether it be Lego my ego or right. what? I mean, I could give you or, 50 or I come different... home after work and I really like having this beverage of choice every right. time I come home. Yeah, absolutely. It's just uh, it creates habits, and I think. Uh, really, though, the second reason, what was it, calms your inner voice. Mm-hmm. The reason why that's so important is because if you can't actually balance anything out, like what's going in your body, you just are impulsive. You're just moving into whatever right. you're doing. Yeah. So by doing intermittent fasting, whether or not it's truly actually giving you better mm-hmm. results, the interesting thing is, is some of those structures can play a lot bigger role in most people that are kind of gluttons, that are overeating all the time, always saying yes, Bringing in some of those principles can have a big impact, not only on your hormones, but as your discipline. As rule number three, mm-hmm. we've got teaches, discipline, and creates better habits. Right. And I think that one really speaks to your ability to um, follow rules. I think we all kind of learn, you know, that's part of going to school. Going to school, you have a set of rules of how you behave at school. This is the same way. You set up a behavior path of like, this is how I behave in the morning. Well, if morning has always included breakfast, well, then you're always kicking off your day with X amount of calories, whatever that is. 
But if instead you've changed your, your behavior, you've changed your habit to every morning when I wake up, I don't do that. I just have a cup of coffee and I get out the door. Well, now your new habit will also have ramifications across the rest of your day, which will include a deficit of calories that you're already starting with. Sure. I mean, if you if you smash calories first thing in the morning, you have to eat less all the rest of the day. Yes. I mean, if deficit is the game and deficit is, then if you throw in five, six, seven hundred calories in the morning, most people aren't as big as me. I'm six four, weigh about two hundred seventeen, mm-hmm. two hundred twenty pounds. I get to eat substantially more right. than anyone else around me. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you know, I worked with a lot of ladies back in, uh, shoot, it's almost been five or six years ago. Let's now. call it 10 years. Easy. I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm not that old. But when I would work with these gals, I mean, five foot, five foot one, mm-hmm. five foot two. And they're like, oh, well, I'm eating 2,000 calories a day. And it's like, man. That might be too much for you. Everyone's telling you that that's okay. You turn on this activity caliber and it's like, oh my gosh, you're burning six to 800 calories a day. You can still eat 2,200 because you're burning so much with activity. And it's like, oh, you're not getting results. It's because none of this stuff is perfect. It's not accurate to your body. When when you find out that you got to be eating 12 to 1,300 calories to even have a shot at this. Right. And a little bit of exercise. It's just the calorie intakes become lower and lower. And when you do... For people of that size, five meals a day is very difficult to maintain that level of caloric intake Mm -hmm. because you have to always eat. You're talking like three standard meals plus some snacks in there. Yeah, you know, like five or six years ago, five meals a day was kind of the standard of trying to teach people how to do weight loss. Atkins was kind of coming towards the tail end. Um, What's the... The, the point counting. Which one's that one? Oh, you're talking about uh, Weight Watchers? Weight Watchers was still kind of in its craze where you could eat whatever you wanted, kind of whenever you wanted, as long as it matched your points. Again, right. you're just counting calories yeah. is all you're doing. But Simpl- Simplified calories. It's a very good system because you've simplified calorie counting. Sure. Makes it easy to count the numbers. Um, but again, when you take someone that's five foot, five foot three, somewhere in that range, and they're very sedentary at their job, and then you say, hey, eat five meals a day, there's not a whole lot of meals you can have other than supplementation for two or three of them Mm -hmm. to maintain a two or 300 calorie intake to even leave you any room for dinner to hold a deficit. And most of the time you're cooking dinner for a family, you're cooking dinner for a spouse and that spouse or family doesn't have the same calorie restriction as you do. Right. So now I made a meal that is good for me. They're going to be left without enough uh, to, to satiate them. Or I made a meal good for them and I have to eat like a bird during it because we just don't match. And, and that's where intermittent fasting, I think, is one of the biggest tools that you can use is realize it's calorie counting. That's fine. But if you can skip your breakfast and eat like a bird at lunch because your partner in crime or whoever you're working with daily mm-hmm. likes to eat a real meal for dinner, right. you still have the calories available to do that. Yeah. Um, the slippery slope that I came across was which will bring us to segment three, but I'll buff it a little bit here Mm -hmm. is when I would intermittent fast for a really long time, what it would slowly get me to do is I'd push the limits on the afternoons so that I could continually do what I really want to do is overeat. So then my dinners became bigger. And then when you make mistake days, all of a sudden now like a Saturday comes around, I got like a 1400 calorie breakfast because I'm kind of, you know, taking it easy, but it allows your stomach to expand. Mm-hmm. You can handle larger meals when you start eating more and more like this. In a four-hour window, window, you you get in 2,000 calories. In the yep. smaller window, you're getting in whatever caloric intake you can right. handle. And then you just start eating a lot. And let's be honest, over the course of years and years, it's not always easy to hold that 
that type of diet plan where you're skipping the breakfast right. all the time. When it also pushes back into that number two, where you know you're you're messing with the the hormones in your body. Because if you if your main hunger hormone uh, being ghrelin, it doesn't matter whether you had a, a massive meal during your last meal or whether you had like just enough to make you not hungry anymore. It's going to give you the same pangs. It's going to give you the same feeling. So that won't change no matter how much you ate before. Well, that hurts the, the equation. And the second one, the uh, leptin, when the leptin has to be told to go off when the stomach distends and you've stretched your stomach out to such a degree because you've only been eating in a you know eight-hour block and you've been eating as much as you could during that block. As much as you could. Right. And if, <laughs> and if you're eating meals that are not calorie dense, that means your volume is going up to account for the amount of calories you need. Now stomach distension doesn't happen until a little bit later. Oh, yeah. And then when you finally have that meal that is more of your cheat meal that has a little bit more sugar in it, it has a little bit more high-density um, calories in it, your stomach doesn't distend from it. You don't get the leptin from it, so you actually eat more in that moment. Right, and leptin is the thing that's telling you that you're full. You're full. It, yeah, you're done now. You don't need to eat anymore. Yeah, calm down. You're good. Right. You've had enough, and it's kind of an interesting concept you know if you've stretched out your stomach so much on really good food because you need more of it to match the calories like for instance you said i need 20 almost 2500 calories to be in in your in your prime space that's a lot of steak and salad and broccoli lots of food but that's not a lot of like pizza oh yeah you you can crush some pizza when you've right. got a belly like that but in, yeah i was gonna say and in that place you can put a whole pizza in your stomach for volume wise and have like three I've been times. yeah I've been notorious for you know when when you diet really hard and any everybody I feel like in the Western world's a bit of a binger eventually sooner or later it gets you you know if it's a holiday if it's a weekend it's but when it's you, available yeah when you eat like this I, I was uh, very hardcore into intermittent fasting for a while and I can remember I came up on the holiday season and I have never put on so much weight so fast in my whole life because I was eating in like a six hour four hour eating window mm -hmm. basically eating one meal a day and trying to get all the benefits of not eating. I, I was, I was feeling very confident how it could suppress my appetite throughout mm -hmm. the day. I had more energy, the habits more were formed. You were, I was you were in a place. And then as soon as we got towards the holiday season and I was strict into this deal, I could eat so much food at one sitting because volume was there that, yeah, that as soon as you took me out of the intermittent fasting concept in a holiday weekend, I probably was averaging, and I counted every calorie at that time. Mm -hmm. I was averaging between like six to nine thousand calories a right. day through Thanksgiving. Right, and because each meal is now no longer calorie restricted, in that the food itself is not calorie restricted. Right, you've got massive dense quality. Like it, you got it, pie. Pie's oh, yeah. going in there oh, on yeah. top of gravy. Oh, and yeah. Gravy's going in there on top of like. Maybe all at once. I don't know. Candied pie gravy. Is that a thing? Dip a roll on it. I'm good to go. Yeah. So now your entire, not only did you change when you're eating because you kind of came back from the, uh, the intermittent fasting at the time. Right. You also changed what you were eating, which is like a one, two combo of, of a really heavy hit. And you said it changed your, your weight by how much? Oh, I went from like 205 to nearly 236 in about three months. That's yeah, it was a lot aggressive. of weight. Yeah, it was a lot of weight. I was lifting heavy. Um, I was going through what you'd call, I guess you'd call it the bulking? you accept you the bulking? bulk phase. Yeah. yeah, you you work your tail off. You lift heavy, heavy weights. You throw around more weight than you're used to, and you're eating like a cow so that you can put on as much muscle. But you know, through those experiences, but it was easy to do because of all the habits you had built through intermittent fasting. Yeah, and through the style of food that you change to. Well, that, that's where I think experience is so important. If you're listening to people tell you how to do things and, and they've never actually experienced 
the issues that come with certain habits or not truly understanding what's getting you the results. You know, if you just have a little bit of a calorie surplus, you can put on muscle. If you have a little bit of fat on you, a lot of fat on you, you don't even need a calorie surplus you've already to got put the on muscle. You know, but to know the game changes the way yeah. it all works. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to know that intermittent fasting is a tool to help you suppress your calorie intake well, that's nice to know if when it comes to calorie restriction on the weeks that you're not doing it. You're still following yeah, some bit of the plan. Right, right. Don't get it twisted. It's because you're eating 1,500 calories a day in, in the study that we read. Mm -hmm. 1,200, I think it was 1,236 for the one or something like that, and mm -hmm. nearly 1,400 something for the other group. Yeah. But when you're eating that caloric intake and then you have a day off, don't get it twisted. It wasn't magical because you didn't eat breakfast. It's because you didn't eat any food. Because you're missing a whole chunk of calories. Yeah, exactly. All right, so so our, our top three are, you know, it's going to skip a breakfast, which is basically morning dessert. Morning dessert it's, goes. You're going you're gonna to end up calming the inner voice and helping regulate some of those hormones and at least get, get an idea of how to do that. Right. And then lastly, uh, it's teaching discipline and habit forming that as long as you're aware of how all those things are working together – it's a very good structure for how to be in a calorie deficit. Yeah. And in, in this segment too, we're trying to be a little positive with intermittent fasting. And I would say that breakfast thing, if you come around the scope of, if you're going for performance, if you're trying to build muscle, if you're going for those avenues, you know, we spoke before about, mm -hmm. you can turn that breakfast now that you have the discipline right. of skipping the meals, getting out of the habits of all the terrible things. Maybe it's just some kind of a protein supplement. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a scrambled it's egg. Now to get protein. Yeah, just grab that little chunk of protein, keep the metabolism fed, you know, keep these hormones under wrap. But you can use the intermittent fasting, as we said, for discipline and, and teaching some new habits. Love it. Love it. I think, uh, I think... We should take a little bit of time and bore into what it is that is happening inside bore the body. Bore into. I like that. Yeah, okay. like uh, like we're digging. We're yeah. digging deep. Not bore you. No, but, but bore dig. into. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think that uh, intermittent fasting, especially the intermittent fasting, is it a society? It feels like it feels like a cult is right. what you would call it. Yeah. A cult. And in some ways, like in a bad way, but in a lot of ways, I think it's just people that are very passionate about something. It wouldn't, something works. It works. You know, right. they're on board. They're ready to go. So I think a lot of their uh, stuff, especially with weight loss hinges around these hormones, what they're doing and, and how they interact with the body. And as, for a lot of people and me included until I really dug into it, it all felt like just science fiction mumbo jumbo. Like it didn't make sense to me. Well, a lot of it has to do with longevity too. So uh, sure. when, when yeah. you're, when you're doing things for a really long time, what really is actually taking place mm -hmm. to know whether or not you're going to get results? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So short term, and this is just like term, we're learning terms right now. Uh, you got what you got ghrelin mm -hmm. and ghrelin's supposed to be the hormone that, that talks to your, uh, hypothalamus and says, Hey, it, it's hungry time. Hey, let's eat some food. Exactly. You got leptin, which is the one that comes up there and it talks to your hypothalamus and says, Hey, we're good now. We're not hungry anymore. So but they, if you shovel food really fast, you can fool them, right? Tricked them. <laughs> uh, you've got dopamine, which doesn't work with the appetite at all. This is just entirely something else. It's a whole different feedback loop. And then you've got, uh, you know, your insulin. And your insulin is probably where a lot more of the longevity stuff and things like that are really getting played at. Um, but what people are probably noticing moment to moment is the ghrelin-leptin interaction and then probably the dopamine loop. So let's start, let's start with ghrelin. Well, the ghrelin monster, in my opinion, is probably the biggest 
thing that can be a problem longevity wise with intermittent fasting. You mean like keeping up with it? Yeah. So just in my own personal experiences and I can expand to others, but ghrelin, unfortunately, when you get in a long-term intermittent fasting, there's always going to be mistakes that arise. Mm -hmm. Wedding comes around, Thanksgiving comes around, holidays come around. There's always something you're Father's Day, they made you a breakfast. Right, right. There's always something that can kind of bring you out of it. And I've found that most 80 to 90% of people that are hardcore intermittent fast. It's just like every other diet plan. There's extreme motivation. I'm super pumped. I'm into this. I'm, I'm getting great results. I'm going for it. I'm doing it. But the problem is, is then you take everything a little bit farther because you want more results. Right. I'm and getting what, results. I want better results. Right. And, and when you start shortening those windows of feeding times, or even if you're consistent with the eating times, you get better and better at eating more food in a smaller window. Mm -hmm. And what happens is then you'll come up to that wedding weekend and you have four days where maybe the first day you stuck to it and then day two, three, four. Right. Now you're adding in your breakfast again. And what I've found is you've almost created this monster in your body that you just really can eat a lot of food. Mm -hmm. You're able to get a lot of calories in a short amount of window. And it seems as though over time, the course of a year, your bad habits can really get amplified when you're used to getting that suppress the ghrelin. We don't touch the ghrelin. I say no to the ghrelin till 12. I say, okay, now we bring in a little bit. And then, you know, maybe by day three or four of me skipping my breakfasts and eating a little bit short on my calories, I'm kind of getting a little more hungry. You're letting this ghrelin monster build. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden these hungers become more and more and more intense and more and more and more intense. And then you either fall off the wagon right. or you just make a, a, a type of mistake that leads to the next one, the next one, the next one. Because let's be honest, like a pound of fat is 3,500 calories out of a deficit generally. Right. So, so you're it, saying across a week, you just have to not have eaten 3,500 calories and you're, you're going to lose a pound. Yeah. General weight loss advice is 500 calories a day, seven days, get you your 3,500 calorie deficit. You've pound lost- a pound of body fat. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not the weight on the scale says the exact same, right. you may not see that due to water, due to sodium intake, due to all these different metrics. You sure. may not see the true pound, but it may be you're getting a true pound of body fat to fall right. off your body most Ac of the According time. According to thermodynamics, it's probably happening. Right. So when you do this, the problem is, is over time, if you let the ghrelin continually build and you don't use breakfasts, you don't mix in something to calm that, what I found for myself especially is that first mistake, then the second mistake. And now all of a sudden this now large meal you're again. eating for dinner, you're able to swing into some mistake breakfast, but you're used to eating 1,400 calories and a dinner. When I eat, so, I'm eating 1,400. Yeah, so now you say that mistake on a Saturday eating breakfast with the family, maybe you take in 12 or 1,300 calories. That's half of your calorie deficit for the week nearly. I mean, mm -hmm. you start getting up, that's 30, 40% of your calorie, and you do that two times in a weekend. Yep. All of a sudden, it's just a very slippery slope that if you don't understand mm -hmm. that by cutting your calories low for significant amounts of times, this little monster is growing in your body. I think the other part about the ghrelin you know, monster as it is, is that it is it doesn't care how many calories you ate last meal. It just cares that it wants to be fed again. Right. And so let's say you, you were really good. Like you're saying, you're really good and you're having low calorie meals through, you know, uh, lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner. Breakfast comes around. Ghrelin's going to be there because 
your stomach's empty. Sure. So whenever your stomach is empty, ghrelin gets produced and you start having, and I think it's also linked to insulin levels. Ghrelin gets produced and your body says it's time to eat. You're good at ignoring it. You're good at ignoring it. But it doesn't care that you had 2,000 calories at your last meal. It doesn't care that you had zero calories at your last meal. All it cares about is I want to get fed. And so um, that's kind of the, the weird spot that the ghrelin monster is, is, is it, it doesn't care that it shouldn't care. Right. Like your body is very bad at, at keeping log of how many calories it's eaten in a day. It just doesn't do that. Now, over long term, uh, our next our next monster but is it, leptin. It, and of course, we should we should preface that with if you're eating real foods, you probably aren't even at risk of gaining weight. The no. problem is, is that all the foods that are available, all the easy ones are super high in calories and it's way over the thresholds of, of gaining weight. Right. Yeah. Your ghrelin. So your are We'll just go to leptin really fast. Leptin is there to basically tell you all done. Right. So leptin would be one that uh, as you finish eating, you get a distended stomach, which just means it, it kind of grew because it's full of food now. And your fat cells release it and say, hey, we've, we've eaten enough today. Ghrelin monster subsided. We're good to go. Um, and again, it doesn't care. Did you have, you know, a thousand calories packed into like a very, very small amount? Or did you have a huge steak uh, packed into a very, very big amount? What it cares about is was, was my stomach filled? Right. So now... You like you like you kind of said, I've eaten really really good foods and stretched out my stomach a lot of times, and now I have my cheat meal, and so I'm, my body doesn't want to release the leptin until the stomach is stretched to the point that it's supposed to be, but every food I'm putting it in on my cheat meal, is like, five hundred calories per you know per item, per section of the plate. Right, right. <laughs> so now leptin isn't ready until I've had three sections of the plate. And that is now about to amount to 1,500 calories instead of my normal, which was like eggs and a, and a side of, um, I don't know, a, a small thing of toast or something. And that was only 500 calories in total. Sure. So I've now given myself 1,000 extra calories and leptin didn't care. Right. And, and uh, something else that's kind of interesting that I've done with these fasting things, I mentioned before that 37-hour fast. And I think it's it's a pretty cool concept that if you're messing around with diet plans mm -hmm. that you do extremes. And the reason why I say that is because it, it really sheds light on what you're actually needing. When I was doing that 37 hour or, uh, actually this, sorry, I misspoke. Not my 37 hour fast. When I did my carnivore diet, oh, right, right. by like day 20, I had such bad cotton mouth mm -hmm. so bad. And I've, I've told people this before about, I ate a handful of peanuts and it completely went away for nearly 24 hours. Hmm. The water I was drinking started to stay in my body. It seems as though that's low on salt. Yeah. It seems a little bit crazy that just one, it was a big handful. But, you know, a nice, good-sized sure. handful. It's kind of crazy to think that, like, one handful like that really changed my composition so much mm -hmm. that I was able to hold water, even when I was pouring salt on things, not near to the level that I needed to. But sure. I was eating only meat for that many days. And what that taught me is it's like, oh, you need to open your eyes and open your mind to the idea that just because just ghrelin guys saying I'm hungry, right. I mean— you mean to tell me that you can kind of squash that with a handful? I don't actually need right. a full meal. I don't need, it, it changes when you do extreme things like this, it changes the idea that what do you have for breakfast? Well, I just have two scrambled eggs and you might be like, man, I'm I'd just be, so, I'd be starving yeah, after that. I'm still. so used to doing all of this and this, but if you've intermittent fasted before you're used to eating absolutely nothing. Right. And I so, think the crazy part is ghrelin production will stop after a certain amount of time anyway. 
that the the crazy that was what I learned in the 37 hour right. deal. I'm like, hold the phone. You mean to tell me if I don't eat at five o'clock when I'm hungry, about that a half like hour later, still goes away? Still goes away. It's a it's a very interesting thing. That ghrelin monster is a real thing, and when you're learning about intermittent fasting and you're using it as a tool mm-hmm. in this whole concept of calorie deficit. That would be the huge caveat that I would give anybody playing with it while it's working, right. while you're able to maintain your calorie deficit. Great. Keep going on it. Understand that you're actually doing caloric deficit. Yep. Understand that it's a tool, but know that when you get to week five, week six, and you start falling in some of these bad habits, calorie deficits really what was getting you those results. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to let that ghrelin monster grow and your hunger cravings become bigger and bigger and bigger, you have to probably, what I've found is rotating off of that concept Mm -hmm. and adding in breakfasts and things when you're extremely hungry. And let your stomach shrink back down a little bit. Yeah, you've got to get a little bit better balance and get that hormone under wraps rather than just staying strict to this 500. This is the way that I'm going to do it. I'm going to cut out 500 calories a day in my diet. I'm going to get there eventually and go, go, go. Because eventually you'll just completely quit doing it because your mistakes will kill you. Yeah, now it's mental. Once you've gotten your discipline and everything like that and you You've, you've played the hormone game of trying to chase and fight and do all this stuff. And now you're, you're in your habit mode. Right Now you start fighting the game of like the brain. And I think that the, the brain and the happy drug of, of dopamine is the next one. Like it feels, it feels like it's on the same loop as ghrelin and leptin. It feels like, man, I'm really craving that food, but that loop does not care what you eat. It yeah. does not care. Uh, anything other than like volume in your stomach and the fact that the insulin levels are low. Well, there's a, a lot to be said too, though, with the satiating foods. If you eat a piece of steak, it's mm-hmm. going to have a much different impact on your body than that little sugary deal. It will mm-hmm. last longer. I, sure. I was actually quite surprised during that carnivore diet where if you ate like 17, 17, that's, that's a lot. 23 steaks. <laughs> when you eat 72 steaks. I was going to say ounces, but I'm like, I don't, I don't think I ever ate 23 ounces, but often I would eat like a 14 or 16 ounce steak mm-hmm. and I didn't eat much more before that. And you could... You look at it, it's like, oh my gosh, there's That's no way so I can eat that. so much food. And then you would eat it, you would be pretty full, but not miserable. And then you would be good to go, not even slightly mm-hmm. hungry until the next day at dinner. Right. But you, you have a good example of it too, when you did your uh, only dinners there mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. If you truly eat all the calories you're supposed to eat, guess and what? That, and I would say that and was my, that, that was my, so this is, this is where the dopamine kind of rolls in. Um, I, I decided on those two days that I was going to eat nothing except dinner and only dinner. So my fasting window was going to be much longer. And when I did eat dinner, I was only going to eat all of the calories I was supposed to eat in the day. So I wasn't going to let dinner be the thing that shrunk my window of like, oh, well, you actually didn't have enough time or enough whatever to right. eat, you know, the 2000 calories you're supposed to have today. I just said, no, I'm definitely eating all 2000 calories. So in my what head, a great evening, I know. And, and it was, I had pizza. I had a pizza that I, really, I was getting really excited about. So you got your protein counts too, or probably not let's, even kind let's of, not, let's not worry okay. too much about these other things. Let's leave the macros. This is just out. calories. This, okay. this is just okay. calories. So I did, I sat there and I made, um, I made my pizza. I'm smelling the pizza. I'm enjoying it. Like this pizza is going to make me happy. 
and I got through my you know fifteen hundred calories. I'm not. <laughs> I love your diet plan. It's like the fat guy format. I'm not going to eat it all so I can smash pizza at night. <laughs> but to me, it was like that's going to prove the point of whether or not what I eat versus how many calories of what I eat. Sure. And and it proved it. Like yeah, I can eat those kinds of things and have t- like I had ice cream every other day and stuff like that. But as long as I was below my calorie count. The calories were what what counted my weight loss. Right, and it worked. So, in this scenario, I've got my ghrelin. It's it came at breakfast. It went away at breakfast because my my discipline said no. Lunch comes around. I've got my ghrelin production again because it's time to eat, and ghrelin is on a timer inside your body, and I don't eat again because I'm I'm doing this, and I got the discipline to push it. So I push it again. Now it comes to dinner. The ghrelin comes back up, and I'm like, don't worry, buddy. We're feeding you this time. <laughs> Don't and worry. Then, it's okay. Exactly. But then okay. as I'm cooking this mood, uh, cooking this food, my dopamine is also like seeing the food. It's smelling the food. I'm getting that dump of like, this is going to be the best pizza you've ever had. And it's true. Like I take yeah. my first bite and I'm like, this is the best pizza I've ever had. Right, right, right. And I eat that one. I eat that one. And I get all the way up to 1500 calories. I'm going for 2000 anyway, but I got to 1500 and my stomach said, I'm full. My leptin said, you don't need to eat anymore. Like I was in all of the right things as far as those two hormones were concerned. We're done here. But dopamine said, you said we were eating this whole pizza. Yeah. I don't care if it hurts. It will bring you joy. I didn't I didn't see it where you were bright. going with this at first, but I actually, uh, you make like a really, really good point because if you kind of understand the, uh, the system, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get the ghrelin guy saying, hey, it comes down as leptin goes up. Right. But then you got this other, this other guy over here, dopamine that wants to get the hit for eat, anything eat the rest. sugary, any carby, any fast acting exactly. insulin spiker, anything that's so enjoyable. And your brain feels like it's all the same thing. I I must feel like this because I'm still hungry because I, I still must need to eat. See, my problem that's not is true. I just eat so fast that right. I don't think that it. Leptin's oh, like I can't catch up. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I I, I really need to get it under wraps because when you eat. I'll eat before anyone else has even got like past three scoops. I just mm-hmm. eat. I'm there to to finish this plate. I brought a big fork because I want to eat faster. Right. Yeah. But it's just kind of funny because I completely understand that if I would eat slower, you could maybe go through some of these transitions. But when I was doing like those extreme versions mm-hmm. where it's extreme discipline, have to eat just this at this amount of time, this amount. It's kind of crazy though, because all those things do go away, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But- I would say that the dopamine thing, it is more of a factor with carbohydrate, sugary foods, way more because the pleasure is through the roof on those foods. Right. And it's not as much a factor. If you do the carnivore diet, you are like, "Mm, yum, steak. Right. And then when you get done eating it and you finish, you're like, that was, that was appropriate. Thank you. I'm full. Thank you, sir. Right. But when you're eating ice cream, how much more can I ram in my face and how fast can I get to the bottom of this cup? That, that scoop was good. I think a second scoop would be gooder. Come on, you can do it. It'll be fine. I had an ice cream cake the other day. I won't tell anybody. I'm not, I'll tell you right now. I had one, I had one slice of ice cream cake and I was like, man, that was really good. Another one would be really... You had to. Yeah, so I I cut another one up. And as I was eating the second one, I was like, this was a bad idea. But you pushed. But the rest of my brain said, but you love it. But it hurts so good. So I ate the rest of it. Yeah. Moral of the story is I had bubble gut and a lot of pain for the rest of the day. But I was happy. Yeah, I bet. In that moment, so happy. It's it's interesting, though. I mean, 
for sure the ghrelin monster and the hormones for me like that's the way i tick if mm-hmm. i get the system and i'm like you guys are all cheating yeah you guys are all see what you're doing you guys are all against me here mm-hmm. And I think it can empower you a bit, but I'm a big advocate of extremes. Do an extreme for two or three weeks. Figure Test it out, out where you're at. How how much can you withstand? How much can like maybe maybe I'm really bad at skipping meals because my ghrelin makes me mad. It's true, and and I would I would actually attest to that. When you do intermittent fasting, if you get to the point to where you feel like you're a bit of a crab ass. It's because you haven't eaten any food. Yeah, put something in your mouth. Yeah. And make it, that go away. And literally, I've also done the other thing for many years. I, it was always five to six meals a day, space them out. And for me, it's decent sized meals because I'm a bigger person. For small women that I would work with, mm-hmm. intermittent fasting really helped because it was the only way they could get their caloric intake that low. Right. And unfortunately, without a lot of exercise for that type of a person, They just have a disadvantage to me because I can space out my meals five or six a day. And as long as I'm eating three to 400 calories max per meals, I really can never feel hungry. And I can live on that little Mm -hmm. edge of feeling satisfied, cool these hormones off, feed the pony, get the protein amounts that I need to achieve my goals. But, you know, if you're smaller and you're not exercising at all and you're trying to pull a calorie deficit, Mm -hmm. this ghrelin monster does exist the dopamine hits do exist Mm -hmm. all of these things can be a big player trying to make you not achieve your goal i think what i like about using these and when you know how the hormones like interact i think i think you can use them to kind of beat up on each other because one if you know ghrelin's always going to come anyway and you know that you're a person that's going to want the really nice dopamine hit of that chocolate bar that really good dopamine hit of the cake or or you know something's coming up Use the intermittent fasting knowing ghrelin will last about a half hour and then it's burned out of your body. Or I'm going to put this thing in my stomach that will expand and feel and make the leptin do its job yeah. and, and suppress my hunger for the rest of the day until I come to lunch. And basically cheat your, cheat your hormones out of that uh, hunger pang so that you can get by with it so that you can save the calories that you're going to want for that dopamine hit when the cake comes. Right. Like you're basically pitting all of these... Um, hormones against each other for your benefit instead of for your demise. Well, if you can, you know, if you've ever had, you know, you've had an infant and you feed them on the dot every single time, Mm -hmm. if you get in a really good groove and you're never missing that window, your kid's not very whiny. No, they're they're normally on a nice keel. I'm going to eat when I eat and everyone's on teething. Well, let's not, let's not go there. We've got two (laughs) on the way. Um, But I'm just saying though, and, and if you can do that as an adult, and you can actually get in the groove of, I'm going to have the discipline to eat every two or three hours, and it's these very small quantities. Mm-hmm. You'll find that your mood is very great. You're never bloated. You're never too full. You never get tired from your food. All those things that your everyone stomach, talks about with intermittent stomach fasting. Stomach shrinks down. Now you yeah. don't have to feel like you're you're bloated and then not nothing. You're nothing. Yeah. All of the energy things and everything that you're toting from the intermittent fasting perks, all of that can be achieved with managing the amount of food that goes in your face. And if you can balance them out to eating frequently and don't mix in, eat like a bird and then miss windows because then the ghrelin monster does come to play. You're going to feel hungry again. But if you can really sit and, and I'll tell you when it comes up to a dinner, you're coasting. Yeah. When you come up to a dinner and you ate like an hour and a half to two hours ago, you're not really hungry. Mm -hmm. So you eat what you're supposed to eat. And then you also go, it's only five o'clock. I'm going to eat at seven as well. 
And then on so, your cheat meal day, when um, you know Saturday rolls around, and you're thinking I'm gonna have you know I'm gonna have my cheat meal, as, as most people call it. I don't like the term, but I'm gonna have my my more expansive meal. That's the day you do intermittent fasting. Why? Exactly, because that's the day I want to make sure I have the threshold of uh, calories really low. By the time I, I want to feel like my cheeks are puffy, right? And I then want to be miserable. Today. Then when I get back into my normal days, I go yep. back to eating, you know, every two three hours. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the the swingum. Mm-hmm. Use intermittent fasting. Use this, but having a good understanding uh, of the old ghrelin monster that is trying to make you lose is like a real thing for sure. Yeah, I, and I think I think knowing it and and utilizing that knowledge to help you win is the key. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, We got another one coming out soon.